0: Hey guys kelsey here from tour day force i'm happy that you guys came back for the second podcast last week was really exciting for me i learned a lot figuring out how to get the podcast going and editing it um, i got a lot of questions on what tour day force means and where the name of the company came from so i thought i would go ahead and elaborate on that topic Um, I'm gonna apologize first off because I do have a little bit of a hearing deficit which causes me to have a slight lisp And one of the words that is treacherous for me to try and say is thesaurus So go ahead and laugh at that while I tell this story Um, So I knew I wanted to come up with kind of an exotic name something that stood for success So I took the word success and I put it into the thesaurus on um, like Google And went down like a rabbit hole of different words that were like a sentiment. See what I mean? Like I just struggle sometimes. Life can be difficult. But um. anyway, so it took me down this rabbit hole of different words. And like looking at the dictionary and everything. And I came upon tour de force. And I really, really like that. Um, Mostly for the reason that it sounds stern. It sounds aggressive. But at the same time it sounds really dainty and feminine. Um, So for me, that's like the perfect, I don't know, I really feel like it embodies me almost. I'm a very girly girl. But at the same time, like I love sports, I love doing some of these more masculine things. So I felt like the name fit really well for me and kind of like embodying myself into the brand. Um, So yeah, that's, where the name came from. Our guest today is Leah Marino. She plays at Robert Morris. And let's go ahead and jump into this interview. Leah, you grew up in South Lake Tahoe. And South Lake Tahoe hockey isn't necessarily like the biggest sport available. It's just one very small rink. So I was wondering, how is it growing up in a town that doesn't really have a girls team or even a lot of girls players?
1: Yeah, it was definitely interesting growing up around mainly boys hockey. I was actually the only girl playing up until I was about 12 years old when we had another girl move here who I ended up being able to play with. But I actually think it really helped me in my development playing with the boys because it is two very different games. So it allowed me to kind of be more of a a grinder almost as a player, um, be able to like win more battles and be a little bit tougher. And... You know, I'd say one downside was we didn't have very many top-of-the-line coaches throughout our development. Like, a lot of Tahoe kids who make it far had to teach themselves a lot of things, or very committed parents who helped them along the way. Um, I was fortunate enough that my dad grew up playing hockey a little bit, and so he was able to coach me on just the basic stuff. But after that, I knew that I was going to have to move on eventually and go play girls hockey.
0: So your first time moving away was for Naha or did you commute to a team further away before that?
1: When I was 13 was when I entered, at the time I believe it was Bantam Hockey so hitting was allowed and I it just started getting a little bit too rough and I knew I had to play girls hockey at that point. I started driving to San Jose California every weekend which was about four hours away from Tahoe and I played for when I was 13 I played up on the 19U AAA girls team there which was a lot of fun it was like my first experience of traveling around the country to play and and kind of getting in front of colleges a little bit but mainly just my first experience with girls hockey which was so much different and by the end of the year I kind of knew that if I wanted to play college hockey or if I wanted to play professional hockey like I had to Go to where the scouts were, and so I actually spent a development year in Seattle, Washington. So I moved away when I was 14, and spent the year with the Billet family, which was a great experience. I developed my game a lot, but I still needed to go where the scouts were. My junior year of high school, I moved out to Stowe, Vermont, to play for the North American Hockey Academy, which is top 10 ranked team. Usually, we're in the top five. Um, it's the number one team in the country for college commitments. Ninety percent of their players play Division One and ten percent play division three. So it's just one of those places that you go and you know you're gonna be taken care of and you know you're gonna get to where you wanna what you wanna achieve and so
0: I didn't know that you moved to Seattle. That's pretty cool. And you played on a girls team there, a club team?
1: Yeah, it was a club team. It was a first year teams. When I went to the USA hockey camps I got a lot of prep schools and different teams reached out to me and There was one team in Seattle and I liked it because it wasn't too far away from home. Like, it was still on the same coast and, like, my first year moving away from home. It was a little bit of a false promise, I would say. It was a lot of, we're going to have, like, this superstar team. And we didn't end up having that, but... The coach I had there, Mike Butters, was an ex-NHL player, and he just really, really helped me take my game to the next level. So I'd say even though it wasn't a year that I used towards my college recruitment, it was definitely a year that I developed a lot.
0: How is was Naha? I know they have a strange program when it comes to school. It's like all online, right? And it's just le- mostly you and your team.
1: Yeah, so there's 40 girls who go to the academy. It's a boarding school, and it's six months of the year, so it goes from August to March. It's a boarding school, and there's 40 girls. There's 20 on on the younger team, so the younger team is called Naha Red, and they're 16U, the older team is called Naha White and it's 19U, there's 20 on each team, and the way the school works actually is you can choose to do online through your home school and follow the cu- curriculum, or you take your home school curriculum and you have, we actually had school with teachers and the class ratio was like one teacher to like three students at most. And they basically just guide you through your homeschool curriculum so that when you move back in March, you're able to just go smoothly back into your homeschool. You really liked Naha and got along with the coaches and the girls? Yeah, definitely. Naha was, like, definitely my my best hockey memory ever. Uh, it was so much fun. We traveled every single weekend. Basically, we only had school, like, Monday through Wednesday because <laughs> we left every Thursday to go to a tournament, or, and every single tournament we went to, like the top scouts were there and hockey Canada, USA hockey scouts. Like it was just such a cool experience to be able to be a part of like such an elite program and play with girls from all around the country who I still stay in touch with to these, to this day. Um, my roommate was actually from Burlington, Vermont. So it was like 30 minutes away and I would spend Thanksgiving with her family and everything when I couldn't go home. So it was like just such a cool experience to be able to, Meet people who had the same passion as you, which was different from what I grew up with in Tahoe, obviously. You know, the boys had a different route and a lot of them just stopped playing after high school. And so for me to be able to go and play girls hockey at such a high level with girls who shared the same passion and dreams that I did was just such a cool experience.
0: That's unreal. It sounds like you got a ton of exposure while you were out there. I know you ended up going to Robert Morris, but uh, were there any other schools that were look that were looking at you, or that you were thinking about going to?
1: Yeah, I had when I committed to Robert Morris. I had about eight other schools that I was talking to, but at the time, when I was entering the like college hockey recruiting world, I was actually a little bit late for women's hockey usually the rules have changed a bit now, but when I was going through it, if you weren't committed by the end of your sophomore year, your chance of getting committed went down by about 60%. So for me, it was like very stressful. I was, you know, an older, basically an older kid, even though I was just a junior in high school. But, and it was like the first time I was really getting my name out there. Like I really had to work extra hard. And Robert Morris had actually been watching me since I was playing for Seattle. So they've been watching me since I was 14. Yeah, when I went, first of all, I got a, I wasn't old enough for them to call me, so they called my coaches, and my coach called me when I was home over Christmas break and said, there's this team, Robert Morris, they want to talk to you, and that's when I called uh, the assistant coach, Logan Biddle, and um, I just knew right away that they were, like, super serious about it. As soon as I went on my visit, you know, obviously they offered me and stuff, and I just, I kind of knew. You just get a feeling, and I kind of knew that's where I wanted to be. Now, you just finished up your sophomore year, correct? Yeah. How did you feel about your season? Yeah, it was fun. It's definitely, you go from being on a team like Naha, where I played a lot of minutes, and, you know, every girl kind of does because they're trying to get their girls committed, and then you go to college hockey where you're almost like, oh, I made it, you know, this is yeah. it. Like, And it, it was a bit of a wake-up call. No, you haven't made it yet. You still got to go through it and earn your playing time and everything. So that was definitely, like, a tough pill to swallow but our season was phenomenal. We were ranked in the top 10 for almost two months um, and then had a really really good shot of going to the NCAA tournament this year. Unfortunately we lost our championship in overtime. It was a really really good season. We played every single team in the top 10. We played University of Wisconsin we only lost by one goal. Played Minnesota, University of Minnesota and we split with them and it was just such a cool experience.
0: You guys lost in overtime on a nail-biter. Yeah,
1: we were up one nothing from five minutes into the first, we scored our goal. And they scored with seven minutes left in the third, and then <laughs> with a minute left in overtime. So it was just brutal. But
0: Jeez,
1: that is crazy. Have you thought about what you're going to do after college? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd like to play professional hockey. Like, we're lucky enough now that we have a few professional leagues, but... I'm majoring in marketing and I'm also getting my masters at the same time so I'll graduate at the end of my four years with my masters in business administration and my bachelors in marketing so I just kind of like to see where that takes me. Maybe play overseas so that I can get like the experience of being in another country. I've had some friends
0: that just went to Australia this year to play and they said it was unreal. Yeah. It's such a good experience. I'm (laughs) kind of (laughs) jealous. Do you think that you would ever want to help develop girls hockey in your hometown
1: since it's still not there? Yeah, definitely. I would love to help grow the game here. I know, I think there's a few more girls playing here, but I only really know of one girl who wants to play Division One from here <laughs> um, who's still younger. But I would just love to grow the game and give girls something that I didn't have growing up, which is just a role model that kind of just shows you how far you can go as a female hockey player because nowadays it's getting better and we have a professional league and stuff. But when I was growing up, like, college was our NHL. Like, when you make it to college, it's like, you know, you made it to the professional league or whatever. But I didn't even know I wanted to play college hockey until I left to go play girls hockey because I just didn't even – I just knew I loved the game. I didn't know what I really wanted to do with it. Obviously, every girl wants to play in the Olympics, but – I would just love to be able to give girls someone to look up to. Even to have a team from here would be so cool. Or a tournament, a showcase, like anything like that where not only do you get to play with people who share the same passion as you but you also get to play in like such a beautiful place
0: I know they tried to start the boys team out here the hockey hockey academy and I think it's just such a good place for training and everything you're at high altitudes yeah it's so good for your energy level do you think that you get an advantage
1: being from here and training here from for the summer I think so yeah I think I mean, I definitely notice it when I go to play back that my lungs are in way better shape than sea level, but I t- I tend to feel like my legs burn more at sea level, so, like, it's kind of yeah. a catch-22. <laughs> I think training here is just amazing. You know, especially right now with everything kind of shut down, we're still able to, like, get outside and train in all kinds of ways that, like, people who live in big cities or even back east, like, they don't have that option. Yeah, I think it's really helped, like, just shape me into the player that I am today.
0: Are you excited about next season with your team? Do you know any of the players that are coming
1: in? Actually, i very excited. I played, we have three freshmen coming in next year, which is our smallest class, um, and I played with two of them at Naha. Oh, really? Yeah, so Ellie, one of the players who's coming in, um, her and I were actually really, really close friends, and she's from the Pittsburgh area. Her dad would come to a lot of our games, so I've stayed in touch with her, and the other one is Nikki Lagoo, And her cousin, Maggie, actually just played with us, just graduated last year. She's playing professional hockey now and just such an amazing family. So I'm really excited for them to come in. It's nice that we kind of know each other already.
0: How do you feel about boarding schools? Do you think that's a good route for a lot of female hockey players
1: to take? It's hard because Naha was, you know, a boarding school, but it wasn't necessarily a prep school, which is what a lot Mm -hmm. of the teams are. And obviously, Shattuck St. Mary's is a very well-known prep school for committing college hockey players but the other some of the other prep schools don't have the high level of commitments as some even just club teams do and there's some really really talented club teams around the country and it just depends at what you're looking for i know that a lot of like ivy league schools tend to look for the prep school girls because they mm-hmm. know that they can handle the workload and everything and then there's you know academies too that are just like nah where it's strictly about hockey like it's not necessarily about this higher education it's about getting you to play division one college hockey and I would say tend to go to a place that is going to get you in front of scouts and get you in front of coaches put your name out there be represented well by a good team I think is so important
0: I agree I don't think there's one like solid route to success I think you just have to do your research and work hard and do kind of, like, take the pathway that you see yourself succeeding in the most. I want this podcast, this brand, to be about both men's hockey and women's hockey, so hopefully um, the people listening to this are, like, a fan of all different types of hockey players, and if we have any young women players out there, what would you say to them about training in the off-season? Are you big on
1: lifting? Are you more, like, cardio and running? Yeah, I think... When you're young, I think it's so important to play other sports, to get out to have fun, to not make it all about hockey, because I think at that point, like you'll just be over it by the time you're in high school. But I think when you reach that level of of high school or even a bit earlier, it's definitely time to take like your training to the next level, and off season is so important. I learned at an earlier age that it's not off season, <laughs> like it's actually where you put in the most work. And I had, Coaches tell me that I need to get stronger over the summer and that was mainly when I lift it and stuff. And then I've had coaches tell me that I just need to get faster and leaner and so then that's when I do a lot of cardio. I think each summer differs with how your season went and what you think you need to improve on, but I think it's definitely important in women's hockey to be strong and to be fast, so you kind of have to combine it, both of it. Are there any players out there that you've really looked up to that have helped develop you? Well, I'd say one of, one of the players that has helped develop me is Katie Sontag. She's yeah. the same age as me, and we grew up playing together. Um, unfortunately, like she moved away, but definitely helped develop me and give me someone to push myself against. I think, like, again, going back, like, I didn't have very many female role models here growing up. I definitely watched all the, like, national team girls, and I watched the Olympics on TV and everything, but I really didn't have, like, anybody that I truly looked up to that I saw, like, a strict path that they took, and then I was like, oh, I want to do that, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Katie's playing D1 too, correct? Yeah. Katie plays at Union College in New York. That's a pretty good school. We'll have to get her on this podcast as well.
0: Do you have any funny stories from your hockey
1: season this year? Oh, man. I probably have a ton (laughs) of funny stories. That's a hard one to think about.
0: (laughs) Oh, anything appropriate to tell on here. It's all locker room stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of locker room stuff. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, I have a pretty funny one. We were is at the very beginning of the season when we played University of Minnesota. And they were the second team in the nation at the time. And we um we tied them the first day, took them to overtime, and then uh, the next day we lost I think the final score was five to two and we were winning and we let off the the pedal for like uh, 10 minutes maybe and they scored literally five goals like it was so bad anyways like we were all in the locker room like thinking we hadn't done too bad and our coach comes in and he was basically like well get your rest you're gonna need it for monday oh no (laughs) oh god so that yeah that was interesting it ended up being like half the team on the ice for the bag skate and our seniors watching pretty much (laughs) yeah that was a good one i mean just all kinds of things like it's hard to like recall them in the moment i guess like i do but like it's like all of them were like drunk (laughs) no i know like i i could tell like a bus story or something but like they're not that funny I know that Naha was
0: working towards opening a facility here in South Lake Tahoe, and you were in talks with them about that. Do you have any inside scoops on that?
1: Yeah, so um, before I went to Naha in Vermont, they contacted me saying that they wanted to start a Naha West team here in Lake Tahoe. We actually got like a full team together and went and played. In our Naha Labor Day tournament and everything, it was like this big deal. Like Naha has been around for I think 25 years now. It was like a big deal for them to now have another team. Anyways, it ended up just not working out. Like a week before everyone was supposed to move out here, and that's when the coaches Bill and Jesse, before everything kind of fall apart, they reached out to me and they said we want you to come play for our team in Vermont instead. And then slowly but surely. It just didn't work out here in Tahoe. It was just difficult getting housing and bringing a school out here is really difficult. A whole nother school and the ice time and it just was really hard for them. So it ended up not working out which was a bummer but I think it was probably a blessing. Naha is actually now owned by a different person. Oh really? Yeah so last year the owner Bill Driscoll, great guy, (laughs) he sold the company I guess you could call it to one of our alums her name's Tony Ann Miano and she played for Boston College she's a great player a great coach and so she took it over as like the head and now they have four different Olympic coaches working for them all female and they're based out of Boston now they have great facilities just really took it like to another level that I think Bill and Jesse just couldn't realize they couldn't take anymore so that's really exciting to see
0: When you made it to Naha, did you, was that like a, I'm going to think of the right way to put this. I know when I made it to my boarding school, I kind of felt like at that point, like I had made it exactly where I wanted in my career. Like my little, almost like NHL Stanley Cup, like goal. Yeah. Yeah. Did you
1: feel the same way? Uh, Yeah, I definitely did. I think, I remember like. I don't know how old I was. I was probably, like, 11 or 12, and I would tell my mom all the time, like, Mom, I want to go play for Naha, or, like, I want to go play for Shattuck. Like, Mm -hmm. those were my two schools that I just wanted to go play for. My mom was like, we'll see, like, we'll see, you know, never thinking that, like, it would actually happen, or that, you know, it's expensive, too. That's another drawback. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to get a scholarship to go there, which was huge, because... I don't think it ever would have worked out if I didn't but yeah it was definitely like a Stanley Cup moment and then all of a sudden it was like okay now I have to commit it's time. I know I remember
0: growing up did you go to the Shattuck St. Mary's camp? Yeah I did. Yeah and those were so much fun. So much fun. This is
1: goals like I'm
0: gonna end up
1: here one day. (laughs) Yeah I actually went with my friend Katie. And it was so much fun. Like, we roomed together and everything. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Summer
0: camps, those things are so much fun. You want to yeah. hear? I have a funny anecdote from one of those okay. camps. And my mom almost murdered me <laughs> for this. Not ever, I swear to God, parents that are listening, like, the camps are not like this. I'm just a bit <laughs> of a wild child. But there was a group of us hanging out in the dorms, like, after a day of skating, And this girl's like, Oh, I pierced my own belly button. Like, no no way, this is so cool. How did you do that? Like, little, I don't even know how old I was. Probably 11 or something. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, like, I pierced my own belly button. I can do your belly button. And so there's like a group of us in this dorm room, just like piercing belly buttons at like 11 years old. And mine got so infected that, like, when I got home, I had to end up telling my mom. And she just screamed at me for so
1: <laughs> That's long. That's so bad.
0: You know what? I am still such good friends with that girl
1: <laughs> to this day because of that moment. <laughs> yeah. there. I remember when that guy was... When Katie and I were there, we, um... We were just so weird. <laughs> but I remember we were so hungry. We were, We weren't used to only having three meals a day. That's what happens at boarding school. And one night, like, we were, like, so over it that we finally decided that I would go and ask the lady if I could have, like, a plastic bag for ice because I, like, hurt myself or something. And we, like, literally filled the bag with, like, rice and ate it, (laughs) (laughs) like, later that night because we were so hungry. Hockey camps are just so weird, especially when you're younger. When you're just, like, a little goofball
0: middle school kid. So Mm -hmm. weird. (laughs) So you got that Stanley Cup feeling again once you committed? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was,
1: like, crazy, actually. I remember we set up a visit, and we kind of knew it was a big deal. I had been on some other visits that seemed like a big deal. And then, like, like I remember I went to one school where... (sighs) My coach um like set it up and he was like, "Oh my God, the school wants to commit you like immediately and all this stuff. So my parents and I like we go there and we're waiting by the rank and she said to meet us there at eight like a.m and we are waiting and waiting. And it was like finally 9 a.m. and she shows up and I'm like, hi, like I'm Leah, my coach Jesse like said, we have a visit today or whatever and she's like, no. <laughs> I, I don't remember like can you remind me like what number you are who do you play for oh like all gosh. this stuff and she ended up like taking us around the whole campus but it was just that's so such a crazy experience <laughs> but when I knew with Robert Morris it was like the real deal and so my parents I flew from Naha to Pittsburgh where Robert Morris is and then my parents actually flew from here to Pittsburgh to meet me and we flew there spent the night got up the next morning and went to the school around 8 a.m., met the two assistant coaches, and they gave us this whole tour of the school, which was really exciting. And then we went and saw the rink and met some of the players in the locker room and everything. And then we went and talked with the head coach, who has he doesn't watch any of his players play. It's the assistant coaches who do all the recruiting. So okay. like he really knew nothing about me. And so it was kind of exciting to, like, I was so nervous. I remember, like, I had all these questions written down. And, like, it was so exciting to just – almost like sell myself a little bit like to be like hey you know this is who I am this what kind of player I am blah blah blah. and then all of a sudden he started talking and I remember like him like off telling me like what a full scholarship entails and stuff and then he was like okay so like we need to hear from you like within a week whether you're like thinking about it or not otherwise because we have plenty of other talent like we can recruit and so I was like oh my gosh and I remember, like, being, like, okay, like, I'll give it the full week before, like, I say anything, and we ended up going to dinner after that, and, like, I couldn't even eat. I was, like, so excited. (laughs) I called the coach, like, right after dinner, and I was, like, okay, I want to commit, like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was just so crazy, and then I literally flew back that night, like, Uh and, and left my parents and stuff, and. My flight got all delayed and I ended up getting back to the dorms at like two in the morning. But like the dorms were like all decorated and people made me like posters and signs. Aww. Like at Naha, it was a big deal, like when you committed and stuff. So it was just like such a cool experience that lasted more than just a moment. Mm-hmm. Like it, was, it went on for a while, so it was really exciting. That's and it was just awesome. such a weight lift, too. Yeah, I, bet. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, obviously, it's a, until you actually sign because I was just verbally committed. So I signed my senior year, but like, you're still pretty excited and, like, you have a school looking forward to and, yeah. Were there other girls around you that were, like, kind of freaking out about getting committed? Yeah, definitely. So, my roommate, actually, she was a sophomore there when I was a senior and so she just graduated this year and I know that she had a really hard time. She just committed to Long Island University, who's D1 women's, and they're making a D1 men's team, I believe, hopefully Mm -hmm. soon. So she just committed there, and that was, like, really exciting. I know for her it was really stressful, but, yeah, there was a lot of seniors and stuff who were still uncommitted, kind of freaking out, and especially, like, towards the end of junior year. I wasn't... My junior class, we had, like, a large... Not a large portion, but, like, three or four of us who weren't committed, and I know... Two of the girls, like, ended up committing to Boston University, which was, like, really exciting, but it was very nerve-wracking for them as well because it wasn't until, like, the end of the season. You're still very close with all those girls. Yeah, super close. Actually, my roommate in college now, Arielle, she's our goalie, um, she went to Naha as well. So, she committed, I think, two months before me to Robert Morris, and then I committed. And so, like, obviously, we're still really close and still super close with all of them. I... We Snapchat every day and FaceTime, and it's just exciting. And then obviously when you go and we play, my conference at Robert Morris is pretty small. We only have six teams. We play a lot of of out-of-conference games. So I get to see, like, all the girls all the time. You know, whenever we play different teams, usually I know someone on it, so. That's exciting.
0: How do you feel about the NHL reaching out to be more involved with the girls' hockey? Like, they started the foundation to help pay for some of the women's pro
1: leagues, and they added like the girls' 3v3 to the all star game. Yeah, I think it's super exciting because, like I said before, I think it's so important to have people you can look up to and a path that you can look up to and know. I remember when. I was growing up people always just used to just say well if you're good enough they'll find you but i don't necessarily think that's the case anymore and so i think it's super important that young girls are able to see how far you can go today it's you know obviously amazing that the nhl is stepping forward because the main problem in the women's professional league right now is lack of funds. And that's why the Canadian women's hockey league folded, um, which was super sad. It left a lot of players without not only a job, but you know, not able to play anymore, which was so hard. And so it's huge. You know, I do wish to see more in the future because it's still not where we need it to be. And women still aren't getting paid what they need to Be paid for as much work as they do in the NWHL, which is why I think there's so much going on with the Dream Gap Tour and everything right now, with people trying to almost basically protest and say, hey, we won't play in your league until you pay us more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's so important that the NHL is stepping up and helping out and helping, like women be able to look forward to something after college and not just have their career just stop it is because I was thinking about that I can ask the boys like what are you gonna do after
0: college and I feel like the majority of them will say go pro but for girls it's so different it's such like a like almost just a strong stop after your college season and it makes that senior year so much extra hard. Rather you're like trying extra hard to soak it up or you're just like, well, this is the end of my season, so I'm just going to have fun with it and enjoy it. It's kind of crazy to me. I think it's awesome that they're developing girl
1: pro teams. I agree. It's it's uh, one of my teammates, actually, J.C. Gebhard, um, she graduated this year. She was just, she's an amazing hockey player. Was, I think, second in scoring in the NCAA this year. Like, just all kinds of crazy statistics. She broke the all-time points record at our school. And she ended up getting drafted in the first round in the Mm -hmm. Um, But actually ended up going to play professional hockey in Sweden. And I remember we sat next to each other in the locker room. I remember talking to her about it. And she was so torn. She didn't know what she wanted to do when she graduated because... Right now, there's almost a stigma that if you go and you play in the NWHL, then you're going against everything that they're trying to grow the game with. So, like, all the national team players and really high elite players are playing in something that's called the Dream Gap Tour right now, and it's basically them protesting the league, playing on their own outside of the NWHL to try to get a one sustainable women's hockey league instead of having, like, a bunch all over the world that Mm -hmm. don't really pay a lot. JC felt that, like, if she went and played in that, then she'd be going against everything that people are working for, and she'd be giving up her goals with Hockey Canada and everything. She was just so torn because she wanted to go play overseas, but that's a lot to do by yourself. She really wanted someone to go with her. But I remember after um, it came out that she signed overseas, she was telling me, like, it just... It just felt right. There are so many more games. It's really good hockey. But it is cool that, like, nowadays we have that choice because, you know, 10 years ago there wasn't even a choice. Yeah. So I think it's exciting that you can choose where in the world you want to play professional hockey now. Like, how cool.
0: Did you end up making it to Natty Camp when you were
1: younger? No. No? (laughs) No. I never... I made it, like, to the district camps and everything. I think it was just hard. Like, we had... And the West Coast, we have something called the multi-district camp. Yeah. So it's not just, like, our Pacific district. It's, like, districts from all over the West Coast, Rocky Mountain, Midwest, ours, and I think there was one more. Anyways, and they took, for, like, my year, every year, they took two girls to national camp. That's it.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: And so I always wanted to go to national camp, but, like, now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Did you ever make it? Yeah, one year. Really? One year. And
0: so there's a lot of things that I haven't thought about. But since I've been trying to start this podcast, I'm like, oh, I should like revamp my education on what this stuff is like. And one of them was Natty Camp. My age, when we were doing it, it wasn't as many girls. Mm-hmm. So you had a better chance of going. And it was like a different process. We had like each age group had their own
1: camp. But now, it's, like, they just have one. Yeah, it's, like, a big district camp. And I think the way it works is, like, you still get picked from your district, but there's not as many allocations. Mm -hmm. Like, this camp was, there was probably 250 girls at it. We played at uh, Colorado College is usually where it's held. And, like, you stay in the dorms and everything. Uh, It's, like, a week long. But, yeah, definitely, like, it was hard for West Coast girls to make it into that. That's another big thing is like, as I said earlier, like you need to, if you're living on the West Coast and you want to play college hockey, like you need to put yourself in front of the scouts and go to where the schools are. Mm -hmm. And Natty Camp was like a big way for you to do that. Obviously, like almost every college coach goes to the national camps, but it was, it's hard coming from the West Coast to make those. Whereas like some people I knew would make it no problem from Mm -hmm. like, like it wasn't even, they didn't even have to try. Like I remember... Some of my teammates from Naha, like, barely even... They didn't even go to, like, the second day, and they still made it or something, but...
0: Yeah, you have to have that reputation behind you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the hard thing is that hockey can be very political. I'm sure all sports can be... Yeah, you always hear about
1: the hockey parents mm-hmm. and the it's background of it. so political, even. It goes down a lot in college hockey because at that point, the coaches are just, like... If your parent goes to them about anything hockey-related, like, that, they just don't deal with it anymore, mm-hmm. so, like, there's, Shut there's it down. not a lot of politics in college hockey, but there is still, like, high-up politics with the rankings and everything, and definitely growing up, there's a lot of politics. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, those were definitely, like, the experiences that made me who I was today, because I remember, like, sitting around the week after, like, just waiting for the email to see, like, if I would make it. Yeah. Obviously, I would never get it, but... It just made me work that much harder to mm-hmm. just be like, okay, well, watch what I can do anyway.
0: I didn't even know about the
1: Dream Tour. You didn't? The Dream no. Tour? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it's like crazy. Like, that is political. Like Really? One of my teammates actually is playing in the NWHL this year. She didn't even, like, really want to play. Yeah. I'm not lucky, but she is because like even like they're recruiting like a lot of d3 players now which is fine but like three years ago you never would have saw that mm-hmm. because like all the really really elite protest players are just protesting it and they're like we'll do our own thing they're sponsored by adidas and like they go around the country oh. and, and play like different stages I, if i got drafted into the nwha i would still play I'd be like, I don't care. Really? Who am I upsetting? Like it would be so cool. It or would be. I really want to actually go play overseas. It's like really where I really want to go play. I want to go play in Sweden. Just really? yeah. Why just Sweden? Because of the well, location or because of their programs? Well they have like really good hockey. Like their professional women's hockey is better than anything in the United States, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And they pay a lot more, so they pay for everything. Like they would pay for me to go out there, they'd pay for my living, my food, my car, like everything. Like, you wouldn't need another job. Yeah. And you play, like, 60 games. So, it's like playing in the NHL. And, like, you get to live in another country. Europe would be cool.
0: That's pretty good. My one friend, she played
1: out in Boston for
0: their pro team and, like... She wasn't making that much. She was yeah. making
1: like. That's why these players hardly are hardly any. Yeah, anything. they're protesting because they're like. Because it's still like a full time job. Yeah. Have you played abroad yet? No, I have Like for I've tournaments never. or any games? No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Did you ever do selects when you were growing up? Like that whole. Mm mm. Did you play overseas? No
0: i wish my roommate she does this thing where like she's a coach who sets up a tournament in Prague, and they do like a select Mm. group of players that play out there and she said it was unreal yeah i bet that's so cool i wish i wish i continued playing competitively like more Mm -hmm. hopefully this is like a good alternative yeah
1: definitely like i always when i was growing up i was always like i just want to like i don't know what i'll do i just want to play hockey for the rest of my life like i just want to Maybe I'll coach. Like, yeah. It's so hard. It's such a hard sport to just be like, okay, like, I'm going to move on now. Yeah, I know. You can't. No,
0: honestly, like, Tyler and I were talking about it, and he was like, I don't know what I would do if my hockey career came to a sudden halt. And I was like, I feel like that's most hockey
1: players. Like, yeah. It's just like, you're you so get, intertwined with it. If you get injured or something. That's why I think it's so important to go to college. Like, for those boys who just ride out the juniors until, like, till they're, like, 30 and then they just, like, fall off, it's just... Like, at least Tyler and those guys will have a degree in case something happens. Yeah.
0: It's nice. Like, I I don't know. I agree with the boys that go play juniors and, like, just kind of ride it out as
1: long as possible. Mm Because, like, once it's out of your life, you find nothing else like it. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's, like, weird. The whole boys thing. I just don't get it. That's so hard. The junior thing oh i know oh, and they God, all get so traded stressed. and like yeah. cut and passed around <laughs> he, my roommate's boyfriend is going to play in the bchl but he played in the null yeah. last year and he's committed to st lawrence but like it's so weird to me because like he's committed but they won't tell him when he's like gonna go in really? it's like he doesn't have like a set year they just they'll just pick him up when he's ready when they think he's ready or when they need him like it's what so weird heck? to me and even there was a few boys that came to like r m u like halfway through the season, yeah, from the knoll that the coach was just like, "Okay, we're gonna bring you up now, like <laughs> halfway through the season, and I was like, "There's like three of them I was Jesus. like, that is so weird. they have like girls
0: juniors in Canada, and do stuff. they, yeah, I didn't know that would you ever play that like my uh One of the girls that I was living with, she went to Newman, and then she took a year off to play juniors, and then went to Utica.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I would, like, play it if I, like, had never gotten... Like, if I still really wanted to play college hockey, but I didn't have, like, any... I would definitely keep going. Yeah. That's the nice thing about
0: Nahas. I feel like they have so many connections. Oh, my gosh. It
1: was crazy. Like, literally would have a normal conversation with any college coach on any given day. Mm -hmm. Like, Bill, the owner, was close with every single one of them. There wasn't... Like, a school that you didn't see a player go to. Like, really? Yeah. I remember my junior year, like, three of our seniors went to University of Wisconsin. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah. Isn't that so much
0: fun when you play against people you know? It's so fun. It's so much fun.
1: But it's, like, kind of weird because, like, you want to win. Like, you yeah. want to prove that your team's better. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then also, like, if you don't play a lot that game, then it's just like, oh, dang it. Yeah, so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got any good bus stories? Hmm. Okay, so I've yeah, one time we were playing Lindenwood University, who's in our league. <clears throat> they're not, a, they're not a very good team. Let's just put it that way. Like, yeah. yeah anyways, um, they're like last in our league, mm-hmm. and we they're in Missouri, so we. Usually fly there and back, but this year they were like, "Oh, we're gonna fly there and drive back," and it was like seventeen hour bus ride.
0: <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
1: and um, so, anyways, we, for some reason, we always struggle against Lindenwood when we go and play them. Like uh-huh. this, so this particular game, it was Sat. Our last game was on Saturday, and we're playing them and we're losing three <laughs> nothing going into the third. And our coach basically came in the locker room and was like. Just think about it this way. We have a 17-hour bus ride after this, so you guys can decide how you're going to spend it. And we were like, oh my gosh. Anyway, we ended up (laughs) winning 4-3 to in overtime. Uh Uh-huh. And it was literally like a party on the way back. Like, we had Rookie Idol, because it was in the beginning of the year. We had Rookie Idol, and we had a new trainer and a new coach. And, like, our trainer got up and, like, did this rap. It was, like, insane. And they ordered us, like, a bunch of pizzas. And one of our captains, like... (laughs) Took off her. We had like nice um, pullovers and stuff, but they were like light gray. Yeah. But one of our captains like took off her sweater and it was like on her seat. Somebody else like spilled a whole pizza on it, and so then they decided to try to wash it in like a trash bag with water and soap, and like the bag ended up like exploding, and there was water all over the bus, and it was like literally just the craziest trip.
0: <laughs> was, like, Where you know, am <laughs> I?
1: Literally, it was crazy. Jesus. Did you guys play a lot of schools that were far away? Like that you had to fly to? So this year, no. We actually played like a lot of our far games at home. Mm -hmm. So the teams came to us next year, like if we end up playing. I I know that like University of Wisconsin and Minnesota Duluth were on our schedule, which we'd both have to fly to. We always fly to Lindenwood. Usually we were going to play Union, so Katie's team in New York, and that's far. And we were going to play Long Island University, Mm -hmm. and that's in Boston, which is about 10 hours from Pittsburgh. So, like, it's, like, not like men's hockey where schools are, like, closer to each other. You know, like, it is a a distance between schools. Our closest school is Mercyhurst. It's, like, an hour and a half away in Erie, Pennsylvania. And then we play Penn State in our league, too, and they're, like, three hours. But those are our closest schools.
0: An abrupt ending there. We are just podcasting this from my car and our friend showed up for our roller hockey game and then the dog started barking. So we ended it there, but that was a great interview. I'm happy that I was able to get Leah on the podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Coming up next week, we're going to have our first ever chirp off between Anthony Yerkins and Tyler Barrow. So get excited. Got some good stuff coming up for us. Thank you for listening.